Hey guys, uh, Sam here. Um, just giving you a forewarning uh, b before this episode, uh, just to let you know, this is going to be a different episode. Um, this is an interview that was conducted by Jordana with Dan Abella, uh, who is the showrunner and creator of the Psychedelic Film and Music Festival. Um, he also does the uh, horror science fiction and horror festival in New York as well. Um, so this is a special interview that Jordana conducts. So you may wonder why I'm being quiet, or if. You, if you're doing the video feed or the live or the, the audio feed, I'm really taking more of a producer role in this. I'll chime in here and there, um, but uh, it is a very special episode in that regard because it's going to be a little bit different in tone. So if this is your thing, cool, check it out. If not, if you just want to hear us talk about crazy movies, we'll see you next week. Otherwise, enjoy the episode. <laughs> Hey guys, welcome to Feature Creatures DTF. I am one half of your host, Jordana, and I am joined by my other half, Sam. Hello, friends. Hello, guys. Tonight, we have a very special returning guest. We have Mr. Daniel Abella um, from the Psychedelic Music and Film Festival. Hi, Dan. Hi, Jordana. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Good, good. You know, putting, you know, just finally getting some uh, releases out to the filmmakers, you know, dealing with the logistics of organizing a live and an online festival. Oh, yes. The the, the fun in, in that. I'm sure there's so much to it behind the scenes. Yeah. Well, it's always surprises. That's the thing. I mean, last minute. And uh, so we just have, we're kind of used to it by now because we've been doing this for quite some time. Right. Yes. This is the sixth annual this year, correct? That's right. The sixth annual. Yes. So why don't you uh, explain, kind of give like a little backstory to this festival? Because I know that we uh, collaborated last year with the science fiction right, festival. Um, so let yeah. us know. Well, back in 20, was it 2018, I uh, managed, I had uh, Dennis McKenna, who was a very well-known uh, psychedelic researcher, mm -hmm. uh, ethnobotanist, scientist, and uh, at our uh, Philip K. Dick Festival in New York City. So we you know, end up, we chatted and he recommended that I organize a psychedelic film festival in New York City and have it in conjunction with um, another event that's taking place a, few, a week away from us. So uh, I thought about it at first. I, it didn't never really occur to me to do that, but I, I was always interested in psychedelic films, yeah. uh, such as, for example, Jodorowsky or Gaspar Noé. Uh, or, and it said well, it makes perfect sense. So I, we we organized it, and uh, we it, it really was a very successful festival. We managed to get a lot of people on board, and showed a lot of films and documentaries, and and uh, here we are, uh, you know, five years later. Well, that's amazing. It's good to see the momentum still going, and you know, to to continue on. Um, yeah. So, like, so psychedelics, like, what now? What do we now? What are we talking for psychedelics? Okay, well, psychedelic, I mean, with psychedelics, we talk about anything that's mind-altering. Yes. So this is a challenge that we always have to work with people when people think psychedelics. Oh, we're going to be tripping on on uh, some strange herb or something. Well, that, that's they can do that at home. But <laughs> what we do at our festival is we show films and, and, and uh, practices that can induce altered states. Now, we yes. do have documentaries uh, that are uh, very uh, ecological and they do um, promote the yes. use of certain substances, certain botanicals. 
in the right context. But we also have documentaries that deal with uh, alter states that are achieved by drumming or meditation or prayer or uh, anything that gets gets us out of our own, that left brain consciousness, yes. uh, which I think we really need more than ever. So uh, we feel that this is a very important festival uh, to raise awareness. Um, some people have thought, well, why don't you just call it the transpersonal festival? And, and I, we thought about it, but unfortunately, transpersonal evokes other kind of ideas like this uh, more uh, new agey kind of oil lights and crystals. And, and that's not exactly where we wanted to go with this. We wanted to go with something that was uh, more rooted on, on, on practices that have been that have going back thousands of years. Absolutely. So, and um, so every year is a little bit different. We get a variety of films and documentaries. Yes, and it's quite a lineup this year. And I like that you said about the crystals because I see it like a lot of you know crystal healing nowadays. Like that's you know a practice, but it's good to incorporate newer practices with older practices because, like you said, they've been around for such a long time. It's right. good to shed light on that for people. You know, either at a crossroads or, you know, wanting to explore. So it's nice to have that. Exactly. I mean, uh, what we, these practices go back, many of them go back thousands of years. Yes. So uh, they're just being reintroduced in a different kind of packaging. So uh, it's definitely something that uh, more people need to be aware of uh, for Absolutely. their mental health. Yeah. And it's good too, because mental health is, you know, uh, um, an issue that I feel like it needs so much attention and so much light because we don't have enough resources. You know what I mean? Like we don't uh, have enough yeah. people for mental health. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I remember reading uh, recently that uh, teenage girls are like really one of the main ca candidates for uh, over 40% of them are reported th uh, thoughts of suicide, not just during the pandemic, but afterwards. Absolutely. So it, it, there is, it is a crisis. It is definitely an ongoing crisis. A lot of people, a lot of therapists, for instance, have their schedules booked because they, there's so many people who need uh, help. Um, sometimes these people don't have necessarily the income to engage for a long-term, multi-month practice with a, a, a therapist. But nevertheless, they still need help. So I don't think there's enough right now emphasis on that. There are people who are talking about it but it's really something that's uh that it's probably at the root of a lot of the strange behavior people are exhibiting these days i agree with that and it's also too like a lot of like for for my mental health i like to kind of like stay in a natural remedy and i'm not saying that's for everyone and i'm not judging right. anyone who has to like take any sort of medication or anything like that but it's nice to like have natural remedies you know, on hand that could be maybe a little bit more easily available to them, like you said, than having, you know, monthly, weekly therapy sessions that people maybe don't have insurance for. Got it. I mean, I personally do about an hour and a half, well, an hour or so of meditation every day. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've, I've kind of created my own style and it's, uh, and it really has helped me significantly since 2018. In fact, prior to the first psychedelic film festival, I really would, I had tried meditation, but I really, uh, it was always difficult to sit down and just, uh, you know, just be, relax and focus on my breathing. But I came across a documentary that someone had submitted to the festival and I was their first adopter. I said, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to do this. 
and I started doing it. And I, five years later or six years later, I've been doing this. And, and it's really helped me with a lot of the daily stresses that you know come about from living in organizing festivals and just living here in, in, in the city. Yes, absolutely. Yes. I, uh, I could only imagine being in such a huge city needing some time to kind of be in a quiet headspace because it just seems like it's always buzzing in New York City. Yeah, the, the absolute. The key is this, that we really don't, uh, I think one thing that we could definitely need to learn more from our indigenous friends or even from other traditional cultures is the idea to listen to the environment, listen to the body and listen to your mind. Because the universe is always trying to com communicate to us. Mm -hmm. yeah, Sometimes it will be a thought we get. Sometimes it's, it's uh, something in our body. And sometimes it's something that happens to us outside. That's the feel, I call it, or uh, the space. So we always uh, need to pay attention to really what's going on. And and this will help us a lot with, with dealing with the kind of negotiation, the ongoing negotiation that we need to undergo with ourselves and the world on, on a daily basis. Yes, it helps. it helps to get yourself in tune with not only like the world but other people as well and it's a great thing because that's what we need to to have too is to be in tune with each other god and, and, and yeah one of the things that we really are uh that i the reason i kind of embrace the psychedelic versus more the new age or the alternative is that within psychedelic there's an understanding we have dark sides we have a shadow we have parts of ourselves that we've either ignored or have disowned so Say through a, an ayahuasca ceremony, those car, those parts come rushing to the surface. Mm -hmm. Now, through meditation, you can do the same thing. It might take you years to clear up some of that debris. But yeah. part of the, the meditation is to people think meditation is just uh, all uh, blissful. No, meditation can be a very painful and sad experience. But if you're there as you're experiencing that experience, yeah. it kind of soothes and then later you might feel much better you might not but it's still a good um it's a good idea absolutely i've i've actually like uh just got into reading a book on meditation because i want to get into meditation um because i've been doing like journaling um i've been doing journaling for a while now but i feel like that really helps to like release anything that's inside and i feel like this like the festival is kind of similar like you get to to, to show and you get to like release release these emotions and help other people you know yeah, exactly and the idea of meditation is that you need to be in that state of witnessing uh, what's happening and as you're witnessing an emotion uh, the, the key is not to identify with the emotion or reject it just be there for that emotion and the result is usually kind of a, a more tranquil state. That emotion, if it's a long repressed memory, it might be very painful, but you need to always stay in that witness state, that state of just observing, seeing what's happening without reacting. And it takes work. You know, sometimes we got to call you know, but over time we get a sense of some meditators say, well, it's just like you imagine your thoughts are like, uh, clouds and, and, and you are the sky and you're looking at that. But sometimes it's, more, it's like a, it's not a cloud. It's like a rainstorm that, <laughs> that comes yeah. in. Now, what are you going to do? And and that's where it gets a little bit, you really got to be grounded and, and it takes practice. But I do think it's a, it's a practice. It's not the only one, 
but it's a practice that I think it's uh, is useful. And uh, what I also found with a lot of people who who go into psychedelics is that they're not able to sit down for five minutes and, and meditate. Is is like, and and that may be the reason why they're gravitating towards other ways like ayahuasca or some of the other treatments. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, one person, it's not across the board. It's yeah, I mean, not everybody's is cut out for that. I thought that I was never, but, you know, somehow it actually happened shortly after I had a surgery on my leg. So wow. I kind of was like bedridden for a while mm -hmm. and, and I was in a different state of mind and said, let me try this. Yeah. And, and, uh, and also one thing I want to really emphasize is that when you go uh, to a meditation class, at least the ones I went to, there was too much emphasis on correct posture, correct mm -hmm. breathing. And I would say drop that. Just drop it in the beginning. Just You, you want to be able to just sit down with your thoughts because a lot of people, including myself, got caught up in correct posture. And I said, there's no way I can ever sit like this. Uh, and, and I just dropped my meditation. But when I decided to say, forget about the posture, I'm just going to sit down and I'm going to follow my breath. That's it. Eventually... Yeah. Over time, I started looking at ways of correcting the posture. So that's one thing that that we need to avoid is that uh, this perfectionistic streak that we gotta yeah. compare ourselves to others. We just you just gotta be there with yourself, and and it's in, in, a lot of interesting stuff happens. Yeah, exactly. Like, and I'm glad that you said that because it's not you know, it's not it has to be this way or it's not gonna work. It's just connecting. And finding kind of like your own way in yeah. practice. You got to find your space, an internal space that you can you call it a sanctuary or just a yeah. space where you can really be with yourself and your emotions and, um, and, 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 and in a peaceful, grounded way. Absolutely. So with the festival, too, you guys are offering a workshop, a transpersonal workshop. Well. Yes, I'll be I'll be organizing that uh, because this is something that I do. I'm actually a a counselor during the day, so I organize these festivals. Oh. But I, I also do I do counseling and and that's, and, awesome. uh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. And so it kind of like combines. So my my focus is is primarily on what I just mentioned, mm -hmm. being able to understand that inside of us we have these different selves that are always trying to communicate to us. Now, some people think, oh, that's the inner child. No, but it's, 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 that's a very simplistic way of looking at it. We have these selves that are of different ages, or you could call them behaviors or identifications or whatever, but they're always there. So the key is to understand who's who, as a witness, when you're witnessing what's going on, you can understand who's who's talking here. I mean, have you ever had the experience where you say something, and then later you say to yourself, gee, that wasn't me. Why did I even say that? Oh, yes. Well, Lucky guess what? It, it was you, but the other you. And, we, and it is the key. We have a lot of yous. It's not just one. It's, I, it's just like for that moment, we become that self, which is part of our memory. So it's a self-organizing uh, way of expressing oneself. So that's why the witness is important, because when you're in that witness, in that state of witnessing or being uh, in a no mind, uh, you can understand how these selves come and go and come and go and come and go. But behind that is the, 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 the witness, which ideally will be there for those selves, which might, might or might not be empowered. So part of our, of this, of this workshop is to really 
get people to, uh, and we'll introduce certain practices, certain mantras, so to speak, to get in touch with that part of themselves that they feel that they haven't really, uh, they've kind of ignored or disowned and, and, and encourage practices following up that. I mean, I tell people when some of my clients that they, they have a, always under this idea that we, um, it's a fix. I'm, you're going to fix me. And I said, no, no, you are going to fix yourself. I'm just yeah. going to, I'm just the facilitator. I'm just going to give you a methodology that has worked for me and many others. Yeah. And if you practice this, you'll find down the road more, you'll be more empowered because a lot of therapy is, is traditional therapy is, is very disempowering. People are doing things to you yes. most of the time. And we're all, I'm waiting to see my counselor and my therapist. And although that might be a, a moment for that, it's important. There are times when we really need help from our friends or we need to be have someone who's there for us. But there comes a moment where you're ready to fly, ready to move on. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where I really want to take my clients to that moment where they feel strong enough that maybe they can call me a year from now and say this and that, but not like, oh, my God, I got to get on the phone because this is happening. Because yeah. we, we have all the resources inside of us that we need to make the changes we need to make. The, 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 the key is tapping into those resources because when you're in a problem state, in a negative state, a negative emotion, guess what? Those resources are nowhere near accessible to yourself. Right. We're, we're like stuck in a, in, in a, in a sinkhole and you know, mm-hmm. we can't get out. Yep. And so the idea is when you retreat into that witness self, then you say, oh, but I can do this. I remember I, 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 I was, I'm not such a bad, I'm not that bad at, say, French. I remember, yep. I, well, I'm not bad. Well, I'm, you know, and you can import that information, that awareness into the part of us that feels weak and helpless and, and so on, disempowered. So it's a kind of a triangulation, which we do. All the time. I mean, there's no uh, days when we, when I personally don't have to chat, you know, struggle with different aspects of myself because we're always being pulled in different directions by the field, by the universe, by the culture, by our expect the expectations of others. Like we have different roles we play. We have the, we have the father, we have the son, we have the husband, we have the lover, we have the student, we have the worker, we have the employee. And each one of us sometimes does, works differently. It's like we're not congruent. Many of us are not. And the key is to remain, find a way where you can become more and more congruent with all everything you do. It's almost like having a big family. And you yeah. really got to pay attention to someone. You got someone who's screaming here on one side and the other side you got someone who is just ignoring. So you got to learn how to incorporate and, and create a space where everybody's welcome. And yes. yeah. that's a great way to explain it. Cause there are times where it's just like, you're pulled in every single direction and you have to be a certain way for like this task or for like this task. And it's, it's good to like balance it out. And yeah, for, you know. for instance, I had a client that was, uh, she was uh, married and she was really good with her kids and, and she was really able to negotiate when the husband would act a certain way and the kids were acting. And there was she was able to get into that state, right, with uh, that able to bring the people together. So but unfortunately, she also had inside herself these parts of her that were fighting like. So basically, I, I, I explained to her that what you're doing with your husband or with your kids 
The way you approach them mm -hmm. is the way you need to approach these parts inside you that are quarreling amongst each other. It's the same process. And when she got the, the knack of it. That makes sense. She kind of said, you know, I never, it never occurred to me that, that I have these different selves because we're under the illusion we have one self, the adult. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And anything else is, well, you know, we just got to repress it, ignore it. Big mistake. Because what happens is with most people, if you keep ignoring these, these tugs yeah. or, or let's say or, or these calls, eventually they stack up and stack up until one day. It explodes, and then people say, "Well, this is a different person. Who is this person?" You know. So we try to prevent that from happening, and and usually we'll get telltale signs. We'll we'll know that there's a part that wants to talk to us. Like you have a kid, right? Let's say, and and three in the morning, the kid is is pulling on your leg. What, what's going? What's wrong? Well, sometimes when we wake up at three in the morning, guess what? There's a part of us that is waking us for that reason. So what I usually do. I tell them, listen, can you please wait until the morning? Because at yeah. three in the morning, I'm so di this, this disorganized. I don't even know what's happening. Three in the morning, exactly. like what's going on? And you have, <laughs> please. And, and you know what? It, they do that. Yes. Uh, that aspects of myself, they literally wait. They're waiting. And I will thank these aspects continuously. Thank you for doing this. And now what? how, how can I be more present to you? And that's exactly. so that's part of, and of course, it's something the, the actual program we do is a, it's a, it's a multi day program. But what I'll do in that hour and a half is give them a little sneak preview into what's available, what's possible. And I think that's great because I think a lot of people, when they get that realization of what you just explained and what you said, they're going to be so intrigued and it's, it's probably going to blow their minds and they're going to be like, I need to know more. I need to know how to adapt to this. I need to. Or there might be people that are like in an intermediate stage and they need to be propelled to like the next step. So it's, I think it's great that you're holding that workshop. While yeah. And, and it is in the safe. We're not going to go that deep that it will create, you know, we'll have people like, no, it will be very safe. One thing is like people come to me with sometimes with a lot of anxiety, mm -hmm. with, with serious anxiety disorders. So what I let them know is that anxiety is not a thing. Uh, uh, anxiety is two things. It's, it's a process. And it's usually someone inside you, inside that, inside that, my client, that it's calling out, that feels, and you need to be the adult in the conversation. Right. So what I usually do is I will empower my client to really think of times when they felt uncharged, competent, no matter what's thrown at them, they could, you know, bounce up, bounce, you know, kind of a, a resilience. And then with that, a mindset then we can approach the anxiety yes. but you know sometimes we forget how effective and powerful we can be we just we lose track because we're always comparing ourselves to others yes. more money and more views more uh more likes more friends more whatever and yes. we don't realize that we ourselves as long as we can as long as we are a little bit better every day and we are really connecting that's the, the right track we all went on we're all on different tracks we're not the same person with the same parallel track. Everybody's the same. Like, who wants to be like that anyway? It's boring. Exactly. You got to be yourself. But it's nice to have festivals like this one to unite like people that feel indifferent or, you know, like, and just want to connect so they don't feel as indifferent and know, hey, there are other people that have crippling anxieties or there's, you know, they don't know how to deal with 
this aspect, you know, and it's, I think it's great that yeah. you have when, that community to do that. Exactly. And when the anxiety comes in is because someone has taken over the conversation. Mm-hmm. It's like the kid who is, the kid is running the show and, and he's very upset and very sad. And once, and so what I usually do is get him as a therapist, as a counselor, I become a way creating this space where the client can understand how he's been ignoring that other part of him for so long and it's time to oh you know to really own that part and and be for that part and be with that part like you know witness kind of so yeah and, and of course having the environment like that that the festival offers yeah. it's also good because uh, sometimes we think we're the only ones with problems because if you read the news everybody's especially sometimes either everybody's really in bad shape or everybody's is is doing much better than oneself. It's one or the other. And it's but what about me? And you know, yeah. I come to the conclusion that the news is like a it's a funny business because the really, really good news it seems like be directed at the other people mm-hmm. that are really successful or by their standards. The bad news is directed to us. Yes. But the good news is like, well, what what is Elon Musk is doing? How, how many uh, he's going when he's going to Mars? Yeah. That's not gonna help me pay my rent. No, and you and focusing on that is going to make it even more difficult to deal with, like exactly. just getting to that step. So if you have positive reinforcement, you know, like you said, d- distinguishing the good in the news and the bad in the news, it, it it's gonna it's gonna help because you're right. It's everyone's so dependent on checking in on the news and you know yeah. what's going on with the Kardashians and what you know what they're doing, and you you just feel the sense of like like ugh. or you feel yeah. like, you know, that, that's great for them. Like trying to remain positive. I like to try to stay positive. That's like a mantra for me that helps me to not get into like a deep hole. Like to just be positive. I feel like it's also, it just becomes overwhelming. If you let too much of that stuff come into your life, I mean, it, it's sensory overload. And then you just, you almost become numb. That's how I feel about it, at least. Yeah, you definitely got to build blinkers, not blinkers. So you can just focus on what you do. Uh, and really, and, and kind of look at what's ha- what others people are doing, but not become obsessed with that. Because, you know, a few years back, there was a documentary on, on Facebook and, and how they have uh, introduced these, uh, by uh, through their likes, they introduce this kind of a, a dopamine hit. And there was a big, but I would argue that that's not just Facebook, any kind of social media. Mm-hmm. It's, it yeah. it ha- can, ha- can have an addictive and usually in a very negative way. Yeah. So it doesn't matter whether you're surfing YouTube or going on this on on, on network news. Right. Uh, everybody's attention is the, is 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 the most important commodity right now, yes. and everybody's trying to do whatever they can to grab that those thirty seconds or a minute or two from you so they can you know promote their product. And uh, are people waking up? But they really need we need more more ways of. Uh, of handling that. And, and I would say the most effective ways be start creating yourself, yeah. Yeah. start creating, create creativity, whether putting together a podcast or writing a book or writing a movie, I mean, a movie script or, or writing a song exactly. and really get, reconnecting with your creative self is the way out of this, this, this zoo. I mean, it's really, it's, and that's the way we, uh, so it's not just filmmakers, but, any kind of artist who who has a, always uh, or a person who has speculated, well, maybe I, I can be a, a painter, I can be a, or I can do this. I can. 
they should do it and at least try it out because it's probably the best kind of therapy. The creative self can get you out of that 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 malaise of insignificance of uh, well, I'm you know, so that's really what I encourage uh, to my clients, but also in the festival itself. Well, that's good. And you, and you make a a valid point too. Like, you know, I always wanted to do a podcast and I wanted to do it for myself, not necessarily for like views because, you know, I'm thinking I'm just a peon. Like who's going to, who's going to listen to me, like talk about the things I want to talk about and, you know, come to find out there are people that want to listen to it. And then Sam and I connected and I got to meet him and, you know, we have this show. And when Sam and I do the show, we don't look for like, you know how many followers we have how many people viewed we just like to talk about things that bring out happiness or bring out evoke some sort of emotion in us you know what i mean so it's it's nice to have that creative connection with people oh absolutely you create you really you're finding your own tribe you you kind of your 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 group and 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 they can support you you support them and and that it works both ways and rather than um than just like going it alone. You're always gonna have people that will appreciate what your your that the audacity or or tenacity or strength or of just putting together a program week after week. They'll say, yeah, I like you know more often than not, that's what attracts people. It's not just the the quality the quality of the content, yes, that's or or the how professional, but if passion and intensity and, and something different like when everybody else is doing, people say, yeah, I like I like what they have to say. Let me see what what's next week's podcast or so. Exactly. You know, like, hey, yeah. so Dan, I got speaking of content, I've got a question for you uh, yeah. that I've been wanting to ask because um, it's been a kind of a running theme on our podcast lately. Right. We've been trying to define themes of films so like we tried to define like we did a whole episode on thriller movies and we found that the you know the term thriller is something that's thrown out there and it's really a really big net what would you for your festival how would you try to define or cast that net when it's in regards to um a a a psychedelic uh film well, that's a good question. I mean, we we usually do is um, uh, we have shorts that we feel are closer to say psychedelic sci-fi, and, and or uh, uh, shorts that are dealing with supernatural. Similarly, if it's someone who if it's a short uh, that deals with someone taking say some substance and then documenting that, I call it under the influence. <laughs> right. Uh, if it's a short, uh, and then we have uh, we play around with different terms. Like for instance, the block, the beginning of block is it, uh, enter the rabbit hole. It's like okay. So rather than finding spe- the specific themes, we try to like find something that's compelling for people. That's really, for instance, we got two documentaries. Uh, one is actually nar- uh, narrated by Dennis McKenna. It's called Biognosis. Yep. And the other one is uh, the uh, chronicling the challenges of the Shipipo Indians in the Brazilian uh, rainforest. And both dealing with vanishing cultures. So vanishing. So the theme is our vanishing world. Wow. 
Uh, so what McKenna okay. McKenna is doing is is he's trying to at least sample all these because he knows in who knows in one or two generations a lot of these plants will be gone. So at least maintain some kind of the database or or a seed base for that. Yeah. Uh, and as for the other documentary, uh, it's called Onanya, dealing with the people Indians. There, there, you the documentary, the director interviews them and, and explores what, what's happening in their in their village and how their modern civilization is slowly encroaching more and more on their way of life and their whole culture is being uh, basically uh, decimated. So, uh, so it really varies. I look at the content and then based upon what the content uh, is providing, then I will think of something that's that that is relevant to that uh and so um, um yeah i mean they're definitely for instance within science fiction you, you are a lot of categories right you got like the space opera you have sci-fi horror you got um uh you have the supernatural sci-fi which is a little bit different and so on yeah. so the idea is to really look at the film itself and and and, and drum up your own category that comes closest to that. I think that makes sense. I and, and earlier in the episode, you you mentioned uh, uh, you know referencing Hodorowski, and I that's where my mind when I hear psychedelic film, exactly. I my mind goes right to like El Topo and you know like um, so. Uh, but but like I think it makes sense. Like you said, that there, it's such a a wide net that's out there that it really can fall into a lot of different subcategories. Right. I mean, mostly we get, for instance, within, in our festival, we get experimental, not psychedelic experimental, really hardcore, like Stan Brakich kind of experimental filmmaking, like super eight. And they're cutting the actual film and showing it on the, on the big screen. We have that. We have the that's uh, cool. surrealist films, like something that, that would be, or more closer to uh, uh, Luis Buñuel or um, was the other uh, uh, or the other uh, the other Spanish director? Um, he, he, I forget now. Uh, but basically, surrealist films, and then we have uh, uh, so we have those types. You have the experimental. We have surreal films. We have the sci-fi. We got the psychedelic horror. Um, and then with the uh, surreal, I think uh, abstract, yeah, abstract expressionism. That's another one. Yeah. It's slides of black. That's it, just a black slide. But we don't <laughs> overdo it with that. We just maybe show one or two. Uh, <laughs> but the key is to sample enough of that world. So, I mean, on, on for, if it was up to me, I would have a longer look, a longer sounding festival name like the psychedelic, surrealist, you know, but then it would, it would lose you. So I, I might get muddy at a certain point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I, okay. So a follow up yeah. question to that. Well, every, uh, every year is oh, a little sorry. bit different. So for instance, this year we got a lot of documentaries. We actually have a good yeah. number of documentaries. Uh, last year was more uh, shorts. Uh, so it, it varies from year to year. Some years we have documentaries focusing on veterans and, and their, and their plight and their problems with that. So it varies from, from year to year, you know, so Dan, what would you say? Because we've talked to you about your the the science fiction and horror uh, convention that you've done and the film festival, and now obviously this. Uh, I, based on the two conversations that that we've had before, I mean, I'm I'm sensing like just it feels like a, a pretty drastic 
tonal shift. What's the what would you say the biggest differences uh, that you have between the two and you as the person actually, you know, putting the whole show together? What's the biggest difference? Well, I think the, 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 the difference is, is, is just superficial. I think that uh, there actually are a lot more commonalities between psychedelic films and um, and sci-fi. And, and, and the the idea is that what drew me to the whole subject matter is Philip K. Dick, right? I mean, so Philip K. Dick had is a very complex uh, sci-fi writer. Not only did he have that he they, in the sixties he did take a lot of amphetamines, unfortunately, because he had to write like a he was being literally paid a uh, pennies on every words. That's why he wrote a, over a. Oh. a 40 novels and 121 short stories, a huge amount. So he was on amphetamines a lot. He did take uh, some LSD, not a lot though, by his own admissions and maybe once or twice, but he was also psychologically very fragile at times. Um, but he, and he also had a, a, a visionary mystical experience to a 374 where he thought he was either, uh, either he had a psychotic breakdown or he was uh, he, he was it was a common come to Jesus moment, a moment, you know, uh, he, he really wasn't sure. So I think within, within in Philip K. Dick, I see a lot of the things that I'm doing that is that is it's all super. When we think of sci fi, where when I just talk about the I'm not certainly focusing on only the uh, like space operas and going to some other planets, I mean, what's going on inside of us. And so sci-fi for me is kind of the science of the future uh, or, you know, the science of tomorrow. And, uh, and psychedelics is, is really an expression of, of, of altered states of consciousness. So we really don't, we really don't, I, I don't feel there is a, uh, such a stark contrast between the two. Uh, it's more about the kind of films that we, so for often, a lot of the films that we play at the psychedelic, we might play at the Philip K. Dick and vice versa. Okay. So uh, that's, uh, I think that's, in my book is, is, is trying to cast as wide a net as possible. So uh, a lot of the sci-fi that we have focuses, particularly the PKD, focuses on the dangers of technology. And um, and I feel that psychedelics is a kind of an antidote to that, because by exploring our inner world through various practices, we don't need to be so dependent on technology to tell us what we need to do from day to day. Mm -hmm. you know? That makes or, sense. And so I would say that in a way they balance each other out. It's almost like psychedelic is more of a, a kind of a, help helping out with the problems we're dealing with technology which is so technology is very much left brain um very linear uh whereas psychedelics is more right brain so i find it too is a nice it's a nice balance it's, it's a nice integration yep yeah. yes looks nice yeah. and the key is to have that because unfortunately a lot of uh uh you know, a lot of people have done too much psychedelics, end up too much on the right brain sense. It's like they're really spaced out and, and they're not grounded. So the left brain is very important because it's, it's that part of us that makes, that it plans for the future, that focuses, that executes, that implements, that makes us want to grab a piece of food, hunts or whatever. Whereas the right brain is just very happy where it is right now. So you got to have both working at the same time rather than one. So a lot of uh, a lot of people have done too much psychedelics 
And I want, again, I want to mention the psychedelics is not for everyone, especially mm -hmm. these kind of substances. Mm -hmm. Some people, you got to know if you got to start very little, see if you can handle it. You know, and, and if you can't, just there are other ways of. So one, someone once said the psychedelics is like the difference in psychedelics and meditation is like the psychedelic in, in meditation, you're just climbing up that mountain slowly and looking at the landscape. Whereas in say a DMT trip, you're going, you're taking a super fast elevator to the top. Yes. So which one you want to go with? And, and ayahuasca is sort of in between. Ayahuasca is like a 24 hour purging periods. It can be pretty dreadful from what I heard. So oh, wow. um, we, we do see a lot of uh, like microdosing for like with, um, you know, the connection with mental health nowadays. And I think that's, I think that's super interesting because I, I, I can see where it could be beneficial and I can see where it might not be for some people. Yeah. I mean, you really got to know yourself. I mean, what, um, uh, at the end of the day, we all have and we manufacture all these substances inside our head. Mm -hmm. Everything from DMT to opiates to the reason they work is because it kind of mimic the same action. These substances are, for instance, the runner's high, endorphins. That's why they go on these, you know, they, they, even though they're injured and they have, uh, they still want to run and run because it's like kind of high. Yeah. So. I think one day we'll be able to, hopefully science will enable us to know what our uh, levels are and we'll be able to um, voluntarily raise them. For instance, what, what's our DMT level? Or, or maybe DMT kind of pro breaks down very quickly, but perhaps uh, endorphins and, and other kinds of neurotransmitters, because this way we'll be able to engage in a positive way, kind of through a biofeedback loop to get ourselves better. You know, so we are our own pharmacists. I mean, really are. Say, for instance, if you take one thought and you say to yourself, very negative thought over and over after a while, you're going to start feeling really bad, really dreadful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, and same thing for another thought. Uh, so a more positive thought. So we can, we can change our own neurochemistry. It just takes a little bit longer. Then, then uh, in the case of the psychedelics with DMT or ayahuasca, I, the way I would say that is this: the people who are who trying ayahuasca because they're, they have PTSD, they have such a powerful, significant negative experience from either war or being a first responder or being trauma, sexually traumatized. They need a they need an equally balanced, equally powerful endogenous experience to kind of nullify that right so that's why ayahuasca is that powerful but at the end of the day this is where i differ from with a lot of people who are uh the idea of saying well the plants told me or the you know uh aya told me mother aya i i disagree with that is is the plant in in, in so far as we all connected yes but there's not one thing we can be connected to our computer, to the air, to, to the sun that can also communicate to us information. Absolutely. But I do think it's a balancing because a lot of the people have such negative loops uh, from having seen gone to war. And I, I met many veterans of that, that is that um, they're unable to really access those states I was talking about earlier. Now, a few years ago, I did a, uh, uh, I conducted a play 
at the festival called uh, Timothy X, which basically ba loosely based on my interaction with a client. So we there are methods of uh, running a film backwards, and what happened, but you run it backwards. And that kind of disconnects the emotional charge of what happened. And I depend on single, uh, what is, uh, PTSD level one, not complex PTSD, basic PTSD responds fairly well to those techniques. So EMDR is another one yeah. that is shown to be very effective. But complex PTSD, say a kid who, when he was, uh, uh, that gets beaten up by, by his father, gets thrown into a closet, whipped. And then when he grows up, he, just to uh, at some, he joins the army because his father was in the army, and even though he hated his father, just to show that he's a real man, go you know. And then what does he do? He goes, he's traveling down the road, hits an IED. Now he's got PTSD. So that PTSD is complex PTSD. It's not just uh, from that one incident. It goes way back to his childhood and and abuse, violence, abuse by his father. Yeah. Uh, so that's complex. That involves a lot of systems. And that's something that, that takes a lot, it takes more work. And that's why a lot of uh, veterans are saying that the MDMA therapy, ketamine therapy, is mm -hmm. very effective in, in, in the follow-up because it kind of like intercepts that, that neural circuitry in our brain that's yeah. so embedded and it's almost like a knot. Now you, there's no way you can get around that. And that's, it's very tough when you don't have access to these powerful emotional experiences absolutely so um it's great to be there for them for that too you know yeah veterans are are really we, we send them to war they come back all wounded and we ignore them and, and really i mean i've done one of our festivals was a uh festival for the veterans raising money for the uh, wounded warrior project so yeah. i really have a, a heart for them because they really work so hard and they're trying to and it can come back everybody ignores them Yep. So that we can go and have our cafes and lattes and so on. We go and fight the wars with that. So um, I, uh, I fed veterans definitely are, are a tough group to deal with because they also don't trust the civilian population, rightfully so. But I also say to them is, listen, what you have there is you're a shaman in making. Because when you're at war, especially if you're in combat, you're, you're living life at such a level of intensity that of course, when you're gonna go back, it's everything is gonna be feel like a movie because you can't live more intense than when every day you're going. You you won't know if that's your last day, right? It could be also first responders, certain kinds of cops, and so on. But it's that kind of intensity, and when they come back to civilian life, instead of being debriefed, uh, rite of passage, they just you know, probably meet up with a couple of counselors, and they say, "Hey, uh, how you feeling? Oh, I'm feeling okay." But then. In, few months later the stuff starts happening the drinking the smoking the violent outbursts uh, i had a friend who's uh with the two tour two tours of duty in afghanistan and and he told me that he had a, a few years back one of his friends was very unhappy he was having PT, serious ptsd so he called the veteran and says well i'd like to see someone tomorrow and this is i'm sorry but we, you're gonna have to wait it's two months the next day he just shot gravity and shot himself Oh my God! Wow. And this happens a lot. It's you know, this happens a lot. Yep, and so, it, it, sh it should be readily available for them because they're. It should be. It, it's not like a it's not like a a time thing. It could be you know a couple days back they're not feeling okay. It could be a year. It's it's 
all processed different exactly. and we really need to be there for them. And, Absolutely. And no, no, we, we, we really do. And, and that's, that's another reason for me putting together this festival is also, uh, this year we didn't really have any documentaries, um, with that, but in the last few years we've had always at least one documentary featuring yeah. a veteran. And one year, uh, we had a documentary with, um, uh, I believe it was a, um, Hoop Dreams, the director of Hoop Dreams. Remember back like 10 years ago from Sundance? He actually is also, he helps veterans through. And his is more like a vision quest. So they go out into the Arizona desert and they, they spend five days and five nights just drinking water and it's just like, and they come back transformed. So not everything is about going to MDMA. It's there are different modalities. So that's what they need to be aware of. And the last one, is, you know, the least, the most least effective is, is pharmaceuticals. They really don't do much, you know. And so, pharmaceuticals are so easy nowadays to get addicted to and to cause, you know, more problems than to do good. I mean, I'm not speaking for everyone, but. Right, of course, yeah. You know, it does come up sometimes that it creates more problems than it does help, so. Unfortunately, they create a lot of dependency. Yes. You know, and that's one thing that we really need to watch out for. And, and um, but I mean, that's so the more people are aware of these available practices, uh, whether you're going on a vision quest or whether you're doing ayahuasca, whether you're um, seeking kind of a, a solidarity with your fellow vets and really and, and you cry your heart out because sometimes these guys have so much emotion. Remember when they're in war, they can't afford to be in the battlefield. They can't afford to process those emotions. So they're essentially stuck neurologically. They, they, they stuck, uh, they're stuck in the, uh, in the amygdala and they're not processing to long-term memory like the hippocampus. So of course they're, they're literally unable to process it into long. So anything it's almost they're living a sh there. There is a short-term memory, so any sound immediately triggers their uh, reaction. You know, they drop to the floor or they just run away. Or yeah. and uh, so a lot. What long-term memory does is kind of like softens the image of the memory and it, and the the charge is is, is damp dampened. But there's so much charge the amygdala is holding onto that there is unable to process it. It's almost like and kind of uh, emotional indigestion. You're just like stuck with this and it's not going anywhere. Yeah. And and li literally when it has to come out and when it comes out, you got to give them space because it's going to be quite an outburst. Yes, you know? and be, and be yeah. prepped and ready for it, which is... And, and that applies to people with trauma, any kind of violent or sexual trauma. It's the same thing. It's the same kind of a system. It's, it's, yeah. it's unprocessed emotion. And... Um, Either at that time it may not have been appropriate, mm -hmm. and then they they didn't process it late. That's why I'm saying it may not be appropriate to uh, process the emotion at that moment, but make sure you process it. Make sure you give yourself that opportunity down the. Uh, that's what I tell my clients down the line to process the emotion. Exactly, and I and, think it's it's yeah. great that you're advocating for them, and you're and you're and you're doing you know festivals like this again to like help these people and to have like a path and, you know, just be readily available for them. It's, it's great. Yeah. I mean, more than anything is they want people to be seen because mm -hmm. you see when, when uh, say someone has comes back from war 
And this, the kind of stuff that happens in war usually it doesn't happen in civilian life. So they're unable to really connect with their family or with their spouses or with their kids and so on, because there's something that's sometimes almost, uh, from the average person, it's almost abstract, the violence, especially combat duty, yes. you know, and the way like, and uh, that's why when that film came out, uh, Eastwood's film, uh, American Sniper, remember that years ago? So I had I kind of I had kind of mixed feelings about that because the, the the problem was that the character at the end supposedly uh, uh, he was trying to help his friend who had PTSD. Well, let's go shooting. Well, that's the last thing you want to do to give someone a gun because he yeah. might just turn on you know turn on you or whoever and just he blacks out. So. Yeah. Uh, but um, so there was a I don't think there was enough focus on uh, after and after kind of an afterward on what could have happened. Had he done this or had he done that? Yeah. Exactly. So, and a little bit too much glorification of that, of the sniper. I mean, if, generally, although snipers, you, you, some people might argue are necessary for war. Uh, but what happens to them internally must be awful because they're essentially this, this, this disconnecting from what they're doing. Yeah, I, I could not even imagine. So not even someone dropping bombs because a bomb is so far away. It's like, well, I don't know what happened. But in sniper, you know what you're doing and you're just targeting that person who might very well be about to kill 100 people. So it's like, you know, but nevertheless, the 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 emotional violence to oneself must be devastating. You know, you can't just like, oh, well, I just, you know, put away and and close the door. Well, I hope that that's, the door doesn't open up because it's, so I, I it's understanding where you're coming from and, and so on. But what I tell PTSD people is that war is an initiation. It's an initiation. It's, 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 it's an, unfortunately, it's a bot, the PTSD is a botched initiation. Mm -hmm. So I've spoken to a lot of Marines and even though they've been to Afghanistan, they want to go back, not to Afghanistan, but that kind of intensity of solidarity they had with their friends or with their, you can't get in civilian life. Right. Yeah. So they, yeah I want to go back. I want to go. It's like that kind of being fully alive, even yeah. though the next moment may be dead. For them, it's something that, that's why many of them keep going back two or three, four tours of Dory. Why do you want to do that? Because, and so one thing that would help them is we had things in our own life that were, that could possibly not quite match that level of intensity, but something that really, can help them reconnect because so and then it's a botched initiation it's not fully carried out to the you know from yeah. beginning to end and um and it's unfortunate because a lot of them do come back uh, uh damaged you yeah know? yeah well it's like it kind of like rewritten their their brain to, to just like you said you know feel this need to go back because that's at that point that's all they know you know what i mean like of course they know well it, it's, it's know. like it's a, it's like a high. It's yeah. like those people who who are uh, you know jump out of airplanes, right? Yeah, adrenaline. Like, jump, uh, why do you want to do that? I mean, you maybe a great experience, but there may be other safer ways of doing that. Or yeah. uh, they climb up a building and then uh, the daredevils, so so to speak, is they they get there's an emotional high. But I think the emotional high is not to one activity. It's just the the, the context of the, of the you're dealing with a group of people who are going out. And they're on a mission. They all are focused on the same thing, and it's kind of that group mind, which they 
they they probably they miss when they return back to a normal life, civilian life. I completely agree. But speaking of adrenaline, so you have a you have a, a premiere presentation for Matthew Modine this year. Yes, yes. I actually a couple of a month ago, or so we had a his producer reached out to us. That's so amazing. hopefully Matthew will be there. He's a New York man. He's a New York native. So he oh, wow. so he really wanted to have a, a present uh, uh, an East Coast premiere. He had his one in L.A., but he's yeah. from New York. So hopefully by that time the strike will be over. I know the writer strike is 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 is, is, is over. I, I understand. I'm not sure about that, but they came to a, 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 a an agreement, I believe, for the writers. Yeah. Right. So I'm not sure of that if that's impacting him or it's more the director. So we'll find out. Hopefully he'll be there. Uh, I don't think Dennis will be there because Dennis is right now, McKenna, is in uh, Vancouver. So, uh -huh. ho however, I'm going to see if I can reach out to him and we can do an online because every on Sunday, which is the online version, yeah. we, those directors that are unable to show up, we, you know, we, we create a space for them so they can, you know, we can have a little talk and hopefully he'll be able to join us on at least online to yeah, talk about his uh, documentary. Yes. It'd be awesome. But I, I thought that was awesome because I love Matthew Modine. and I, I remember him, um, you know, from currently from Stranger Things. Oh yeah, yeah, he's great. He's great. He's great. Yes. I didn't know he was that tall, six foot three. Oh wow! I would never. <laughs> I would not I would have guessed it. <laughs> yeah, six foot three. Is it? You know, he's tall, but you know, it's so yeah. He's he's he's. he's it's great. I mean, so hopefully he'll be at the festival. You know, we won't know. I mean, until I guess we get a couple of days before. Yeah, well, I hope for you guys that he does because that would be awesome to have him join. But and then I want to touch a little bit on the music aspect. So, sure. um, is there a lineup of like bands that are performing, like any returners from last year or? No. Uh, so this year we basically have uh, bands, mostly psychedelic bands, but there are no live bands. It's just yep. mostly music videos that have been uh, of these bands, yeah. and they're everything ranging from. Uh, 60s to co contemporary stoner rock. Yes. So we got an, a nice mix. It's really, it's very, very cool. And, and they're actually music videos. It's not just the band playing, but there's a whole uh, visual uh, component to that. Sometimes I feel like that's nice to have that. I mean, I love live music, but sometimes having their ideas, uh, you know, transferred into a music video and having the music along Live music is, 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 is actually kind of tricky in New York City because uh, I'm not sure how it is in other places, but I remember the year one, we had a live, we had a live music. We had the composer uh, for uh, Santa Sangre from Jodorowsky. He came in yep. and we had a couple other psychedelic bands play, but it was much harder to promote for one thing. And it really is. I think that it's, 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 it's tricky, really, unless the bands are local. So if the bands are local and have a huge following, okay. Now, the bands are international, which is beyond our budget. Right. You know? So right. you got to find then a band that it's psychedelic, that has that kind of pull, but it's, and it's not easy. And, and also working with the clubs, man, it's, it's just tough. Isn't there a curfew in New York City, too, for live music? Uh, in terms of uh, depends on the club, I think yeah. they. I think uh, uh, I mean certainly the cabaret license. They do require you to have a cabaret license. They do require that you have a specific uh, venue space for that. Yes, because I'm I'm traveling to New York City soon to to see a music uh, 
to see an artist and on the venue that I'm going, it did say a curfew and it gave like a time, which I think, you know, at some places, like you said, other or some spots, it could be. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure what that would apply to. I think that uh, most places are open to like one or two in the morning in terms of yeah. bands. Yeah. Uh, when we did it in 2018, we actually had bands in 2019, 2021. But uh, I don't think that there was an issue. So it all, I guess it depends. It really is entirely up to the club. Yeah. But that's that's awesome, though. I'm I'm excited to. I, I'd like to be able to attend the virtual day and to see everything because all of this is right up my alley. Because all of this. Is yeah, just- we'll we'll definitely have a you know Jonathan send you a link. Not every single film will be because we only have we have two days, a day and a half, but we have two day, one day. So there'll be most of the most likely you'll be get to see a lot of the shorts. Yeah. So a lot of the features, also a lot of filmmakers don't want to have they, they really want to keep their features to live, uh, r- rightfully so. Most of most likely we'll have the shorts yeah. in the program, and that include and some of the short and that but the documentaries too. So we'll definitely want to have uh, Dennis on board and. And maybe we can reach out to Matthew. I mean, if he, if he cannot meet us, if he's still in LA, maybe we can do a short, you know, Q&A with him in uh, online, you know? Yeah. That'd be awesome. That'd be cool. I think people would really like that. Yeah, that way people really understand. So it doesn't matter. That's a good thing about technology that it really helps us connect. It's how you do it, how you approach it. Yes. Uh, you know, how you approach it is, is very important. So for, for instance, um, if you, uh, I'm doing my BKD back in, in October, uh, in next month, but I'm, you know, I used to do a lot of research afterwards on different historical work. So what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to actually creating a travel log while I'm there. Okay. So we, you bring your community with you. That's a key. Or you create it and wherever you go, they're there for you. And that's a, that's a great feeling. Oh yeah, Absolutely. And it is nice to have, to have a technology. I feel like since the pandemic, it's created this like sense of ease. Like, okay, maybe I physically can't be there, but I can participate online, you know, and that's great for everyone. And yeah, and people really lo- love that. They don't just want to go and see a film. They want to be able to engage and be seen and, and heard. And uh, so our festivals, we, we encourage more interactivity. That's why we're doing the, 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 the workshop and, and uh, panels and, 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 and Q&A. And we don't have panels this year, but we do have Q&A. A lot of the filmmakers will be showing up. They've already informed us. So, uh, I mean, that's the key thing, to get interactivity and how did you get there? How did you, you know, that kind of information, which you're not going to get from just sitting wa- watching Netflix, you know? Exactly, yes. Yeah. And, and ask those questions that, you know, many people probably have, like what inspired them to do it? A little bit more in depth on whatever they're trying to, you know, deepen or dig into. So that's awesome. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's the key thing. I mean, more and more our festivals, we're we're looking to make them more interactive, more in that rather than just panels and films. And that's good, but we gotta get more, um, because that's really the direction everyone is going into, especially now with uh, with uh, with podcasts and and and. and social media so and that's the key to have something that's at the same time not be entirely interactive but actually have that human energy of actually having a live event and that's important too so you gotta have that 
a little bit of both. Totally. And so just to, to, to clarify to everyone, the festival is going to happen October 20th and through the 22nd. Right. The 20th and 21st are going to be live in person at the Producers Club, and the 22nd will be online. Right. Uh, Sam, did you have any more questions for Dan? Uh, no, I just, uh, I, I guess I was where if you people want to learn more about this, like, uh, did you want to plug like the actual website and everything? So they know exactly where to go to get it. Obviously we're going to put uh, links up for it and stuff too, but just to, just to let the audio listeners know where, where can they find out more information if they do want to check out either the in-person or the live, a uh, uh, a day. Uh, the, the best way is just go directly to the program, directly to the website. The, the program is already up psychedelic www.psychedelicfilmandmusicfestival.com so there's a, it's very easy to navigate and it's not that complicated and we got all the documentaries and shorts in there and there are the interest in buying tickets they can just get them right then and there and the online also is also available also that's for sunday and it's nice on the web page too it has previous interviews it has previous bands you know and their video so it's nice to have yeah, you can scroll down, especially the homepage, and you'll see some of the work we did with the veterans and and the and the um, uh, the fundraising and, and other bands as well. So, um, you know, hopefully we'll do more of that in the, in the next uh, year or so. You know, more another fundraising. Just getting the bands together. You know, you know, musicians are. <laughs> it's not easy. Just getting just these five musicians together and to cooperate. So it's a challenge, but it's worth it. Though. And, and when you actually do it, it's it's good. It's a good feeling. Well, All right. I appreciate you taking time to talk to us again, Dan. We always love having you on. So hopefully, you know, when the horror season rolls around and the sci-fi you know, festival comes back, we can have you on again to chat that. And then next year, catch up on, on, on this festival. Fantastic. Thanks, Georgiana. Thank Jordana, and thanks, Sam, for your uh, generosity and you know, allowing me to share, you know, my thoughts on this and of course, it was a lot of fun to chat with you about this stuff because I find I find this stuff so interesting and uh, it's nice. yeah. And perhaps one day we'll just all meet together live in person. In the yeah. meantime, we we have technology to help us. Yes, that would be fantastic though to have that happen. That would be fun. So. Great. Well, you guys have a great night and wherever it is, I think it's night where you know. And uh, we'll, <laughs> yes. we'll, hopefully, we'll speak to you soon. Yes, and we'll right. send, have Jonathan send you the link for awesome. for the online. Really, do let us know what you think afterwards. I absolutely will. I'd love to. And again, guys, thank you for tuning in. And you can find us on uh, all streaming platforms, all social media accounts, Instagram, uh, TikTok, Facebook. Sam, anything else? Uh, YouTube. Uh, just, just you, if if you're seeing this somewhere on the internet, you'll find. It. You'll find it elsewhere as well. <laughs> uh, but thanks, D Dan. Just one more final time. Thank you for uh, for for giving us your time, uh, and um, we'll, uh, we'll we'll talk to you next time. Thank you, guys. Have a good day. Bye. You too. Bye. Bye. Night. Night.